It's hard to wake up When the season really sucked This team is haunted, it's so pathetic It makes no sense at all Not sure just what to say Hope Luca stays to play What stupid deal could make this real? We cry every day So here's your holiday Hope you work harder this time You blew it every way It was fine And then you went so wrong Cuban, remember this night Fix it or get lost Sad mouse time Sad mouse time Sad mouse time Sad mouse time Dearly beloved, we are here to bury our beloved Dallas Mavericks. I am your funeral director, Brian Gill, joined today by the eulogizer, the Dorian Finney-Smith, by Boban Marjanovic, my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? Um... You know, it's just, it's just like I've been I've been like dreading this episode mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. And and I love you. One of them is because I just I know this is gonna be such a this is gonna be a beating <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> and then what was it yesterday? I love you, but I'm going to hate you for the next Yeah, because like listen, when we are not at our best <laughs> mental health we tend to like mm-hmm. take that out, not out on each other, but like we definitely <laughs> feel it, you know, like, cause we're, you know, we're buddies and that's what we do. And like, and I think all season long, you and I have just kind of alternated a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's been a weird one. And this is like the penultimate of, okay, this is just, this is just like getting, you know, like a boxer doing, <laughs> Like he's just he's just doing the little the little what's that called the rapid fire practicing on your on your nutsack. That's just what this feels like right today. So, um, and then you sent me a Google Doc the other day of just like I mean God bless you because you know you you're such an organized person with this stuff and it's super helpful most of the time when you send like show notes and like, is it, we both work together <laughs> on it. And so I open this thinking, mm-hmm. Oh cool. I'll add in some things that I need to add in. And I mean, just the, it, it was a combination of sheer, just in awe, like, and just amazement. And then also just like, Oh God, like, I mean, <laughs> listener, when I tell you, that I open this thing and it is three full pages of just data and stats and quotes. And, and then I'm just like, buddy, like you, are you good? Like, cause no, no, I'm not good. You're not good. Like you, like (laughs) you, you literally like just, it's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Whenever you prepare for a funeral, like you're the you were the the executor of this state that had to get all the details put in order. And I just want to I just want to like 
come hug you and take it off of your off your shoulders a little bit. <laughs> I did see you at work today, and I just came and gave you a big hug. Yeah, and some of that was related to work, but some of it was related yeah. to the undertaking <laughs> that we're about to uh, to embark on here. This is a therapy session. Um, I took a <laughs> I took a mental health day yesterday. Not because of basketball, just because work has been rough and I haven't had a real day off in a while and I just needed to be able to chill and get laundry done and stuff. And I spent the vast majority of the day uh, piling things and reading articles and making notes. I'm aware that this is the episode that some of our non-Mavs friends are going to listen to. And I just wanted to give you guys a good impression of where we're at at this point. So uh, this is a, yeah, this would treat this as a therapy session. Um, everything said here is safe here. We don't ever do hot takes. That's not, this is not a hot take show, but this may be a little more um, unhinged. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. We'll just kind of see. We've got to see where it goes. I the, the hope is that we you and I can talk out our feelings on this miserable season and, but do it in a way that is entertaining to the people who aren't Mavs fans. Um, because, um, people like when you're miserable. I do. I like when other people, and are then miserable. I don't um, ever want to so, come back to it. I'm like, this is like, it's yeah, just like, this that, is legitimately so, a funeral. Yeah. And we're, we're free. We're we free. do Dunzo yeah. list for, a lot of things. Yeah. I'm putting the 2022, 2022, 23 Mavs on the Dunzo list after yeah. this episode. I'm yeah. done. I think our next Mavs time episode might be like, let's look at the roster and talk about who we want out. But I don't know. We may get to the, some of that t- tonight. The next Mavs time may be dependent on do how, what happens in the lottery. Or also, so we'll do see. we still want to like do this show anymore? So <laughs> Yeah, I know. Things are, we're in a rough place. So um, let's start with, great song, by the way. You started mm. us off on a on a great note. Yeah. Um, that was a really impressive piece of work. There. You know, it's a, it's a uh, Blink-182 so parody that, you know, stay together for the kids. I'm so proud. And so I'm going <laughs> to, so I'm going to call this yeah. get it together for the kids, you know, as a shot uh-huh. at Cuban, yeah. but also like my parody band's name is going to be Stink <laughs> Owen 82. That's my parody band. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Is this the worst season of your family? A hundred percent. Let's start with that because we, we started, we did this last week on an episode that never reached our listeners due to technical problems. Um, This was brought up in a, in a text thread that we're in uh, with some other Mavs fans. and, And that was what they, there was a couple, there was a guy in there who was saying this was the worst year of of his Mavs career and my thought was well I'll throw it to you first what, what this doesn't compare to what things were like in some ways um when I was a kid we knew we and were then bad obviously we, yeah because we were we, we we were really terrible but genuinely I mean like I was just like a depressed 10 year old man like going to school wearing a map shirt when everybody else was a Bulls fan and and all that kind of thing um like the moments of 2006 and um, 2007, those were obviously worse moments. Like there's nothing worse than losing in the finals the way the Mavs mm-hmm. lost in the final or the next season to the Warriors. Like obviously though, that is worse than what we were going through. But that was a, that was a week. 
this has been seven months of misery. <laughs> There's been that one month, like December was good, you know? That was about it. The rest of it was pretty, pretty brutal. So I don't know how Cuban in his press game, we're going to talk a lot about Cuban in his media session uh, last week. He brought up 20, 2008, 2009 which I kind of remember as a pretty good season. Yeah. I know what his vibe was. was I I didn't understand that either. I didn't get that one. And then apparently he really thought that the Andrew Bogut, Harrison Barnes team was going to do something, and it did not. Well, just like this year, he also underestimated the talent of his team, or overestimated the talent of his team that year then. Um, I thought a lot about this, because you're right. The... Uh You know, the late, early nine. sorry, the early 90s, late 80s, when whenever your fandom is starting and you're just, you know, you're right. I, I was okay with being a, a Bulls fan because, I mean, I was a Mavs fan first, but I also was like, you know what? My team is always terrible, so I'm going to like Jordan sure. the Bulls, and I was okay with that because I, did, I didn't have these stern, nine, you know, 50-year-old, like, allegiances like you did whenever I was 10 years old, so... Um, the so those those are those sucked and it was not fun being terrible every year but they weren't like painful because we knew they were coming the so mm. I, I landed on the this 2006 finals and i was like but that season was was great like we 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 yeah we got yeah. over the hump with the spurs like um we lost in a terrible fashion and it sucked, but the season was, was good. Yeah. And then like the, you know, 2008, 2009, I don't even know, man, 2016, 17, like that's not the first thing that comes to mind. Like to, to be honest, like the first season that came to mind, that was like a, like post Dirk or like, you know, during Dirk was the 2011, 2012 season, because it was just like, man, it's a lockout shortened season. And we like didn't run it back. And that was kind of a bummer, but nothing compared to this yeah. garbage like i just like it's it's one thing to go to the western conference finals and then and then you know not make it the next year like i don't think that that's uncommon and like i don't i didn't think we said at the beginning of the year sure. yeah. they didn't have to go to the you know conference finals again but like just to have this kind of talent you know in luca and then do things like trading for Kyrie and then just completely just even like fall further down the drain at that point. I think this is the worst season I've had as a mass fan. I'm not, I I really think it is. Yeah. Like I said, moments like the finals in 06 and the first round in 07, those are worse. Um, Tony Romo. Gosh. Yeah. being a maverick for a day, that's that's about as bad as it gets, but th- that also is a moment. That was the 16-17 season, so Cuban was kind of right about that part, at least. His name is on the freaking court. I just... Such an embarrassing thing that happened. Um, the only thing that I could think of that is comparable to this season in terms of long-term misery um, was the... The 96, 97 season. Yeah. And I was 13, yeah. 14 years old. And and that was a year where, you know, in 94, 95, the Mavs got kid. We had the three J's with, with Jason Kidd, Jimmy Jackson, Jamal Mashburn. They won, I want to say they won 36 games that season, 34 maybe. 
And it was that was a huge thing because the the two seasons before that they had won twenty four games total in those two those two seasons. And so um, anyway, everything felt like it was going really well. The next season there was a little dip because of injury and things like that. But like ninety six ninety seven, they brought back Derek Harper, my hero. They made all these moves, and it felt like this team's making the playoffs. This is going to be this is it. And then within weeks, it fell apart because of Tony Braxton and that's that's like, such a dumb trying anecdote. to explain that yeah I, just, yeah I know I know and then by by Christmas day they traded Jason Kidd they hired Donnie Nelson who then came in and traded Jamal Mashburn and Jimmy Jackson and we went from this team that's like we're gonna make the playoffs this year to we have Sean Bradley and that was that was a pretty devastating year for me. I, I'm sure some of that too was like being 13 yeah. and loving this team so much and expecting finally I'm going to get to experience the playoffs and instead feeling like, Oh, well that was terrible. I mean, that was just a terrible, terrible season, but I think this might be worse because of, because of expectations. I mean, we have, so we have hindsight yeah. to lean on in that situation because that, you know, getting Donnie Nelson and getting Michael Finley in that situation. And like, we got cornerstone mm-hmm. pieces that are big Mavs heroes in those situations. But now, yeah. obviously at the time we didn't know that. So, you know, that that's a little different, but I, I just feel like you're mm-hmm. right with expectations for this year. It just is like, every time I turned around, it's like, okay, like we're like, we, we won a couple where looks like we're turning the corner. And it's like, Nope, never mind. Like mm-hmm. we're right back mm-hmm. down to the gutter. So. Yeah. All right. Let's, Let's let's look at the, let's do a, a a brief recap of this season, and then we'll get into the individual parts of what make this such a freaking disaster. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain. The only okay, thing Tobin, on, <laughs> on Fe- you mentioned the, the, the way that this season played out, like there were so many times where I just kept, exp- I'm not a sports optimist at all. I'm the most sports pessimistic person you will ever find. I think because this team pretty much never got blown out and they, because they found ways to lose games, I just kept feeling like they will eventually find ways to win games and we'll turn this thing around. On February 11th, they're in Sacramento for the second second night in a row, back-to-back games. Um, it's the first game where Luka and Kyrie are going to play together. If they win that game, they are the three seed. Um, they end up losing in overtime. They dropped to 31-27 and 27 at that point. So again, February 11th, about to be the three seed, can't pull the game out. From that point on, they are 7-17 seven and 17 to finish the season. At 38 and 44, after this really embarrassing way of finishing the season, of sitting players uh, the last two games of the season to avoid the plan. So they officially go from the conference finals last year to missing the playoffs entirely this year, missing the plan entirely this year. Tobin, the good and bad statistically of, of this team this year. Yeah, so the good was they were the number eight offense, and they were number one in half-court offense, which, you know, you would expect when you have a generational score on your team, so that's good. 
Yeah. Um, number three in three-point attempts. That's not surprising considering our history. Uh, number eight in three-point percentage, which is great. It That did not at all feel that way at the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year, I was yeah. like, are we ever going to hit a three-pointer? Um, number three in two-point percentage, number six in free throws attempts, and number two in turnover, and number one in opponent three points made. So, you know, just a lot of great offensive things and defensive things there for the most part. You know, you would think that would translate to wins, but here's why it was not. They were last in 30, say they were last in two-point attempts, number of two-point attempts, which... With Luka and Kyrie, that's rough. Yep, and, you know, even if you don't want to throw Kyrie in the situation, like, you have players in your team like Dinwiddie and other guys that need to be getting to the bucket, Mm -hmm. not great. Uh, Number 23 in free throw percentage, that... That was a common thread for the first half of the season where it was just like every game. It's yeah. like, can we please hit more than a 60% free throw like percentage? Because it was just awful. Very last in offensive rebounds. Very last in total rebounds. Um, Dadoy. Like, I mean, like we, you and I saw that coming from a long time ago. Like, you know, whenever oh. you say all offseason, like, hey, decent move in Christian Wood, but... We got to get a center to replace Powell. We got to get we got to get Powell here. We got to replace Powell, and they don't replace Powell, and they end up signing Javale McGee instead, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. Um, number 28 in assist, which is just mind-boggling uh, with Luca, but that is because Luca, like I, I think I don't know if you have the stat in here, the amount of the the amount of times that Luca does not get assist off of missed shots is uncanny, like. Second to last in steals, third to last in blocks, second to last in defensive re- rebounds, just total garbage, you know, in that regard. So that's the good and the bad. Not great, you know, mostly bad. Yeah, and it was a season rife with inexplicable losses. Too. Gosh. And I, I think that... What was the stat? I'm going to make a point at the end of this, but, but real fast, run us through a few of those, like... Incredible yeah, I lows mean, that started the season by blowing twenty-two point lead in Phoenix. One, one of the, the you know common, it seemed like every freaking game we had the the infographic of here's the number of clutch games that the Mavs have been a part this year, and you know, and mm-hmm. like there is some like good things about that, but we weren't good in those games, and so uh, yeah, you're right. We blew a twenty-two point lead the very opening game of the season whatever like that's you know it's the opening game it was phoenix and that was my way of saying was like yeah like you're not supposed to win that game at least you went up 22 against the team that's supposed to be really good um turns out they're not as good as we thought they were at the beginning of the year but not great um a few days later they blow a 16 point lead to the team that was in the play-in tonight the Oklahoma city thunder with four minutes left they had a 16 point (laughs) lead the NBA record before that game was 9,975 9, <laughs> wins to one loss. Now it's two because we're stupid. But again, it gets worse. February 26th, they had a 27-point lead on the Los Angeles Lakers that ended up being a loss. You get some whiskey. Coffee's not good. Before that game, Brian, the NBA people that had the NBA teams that had a 27 point or more lead were 138 and zero. So now we have that to add to our resume. 
of we are now the one on that stat that comes up in the future. Oh, but again, it's, we're going to still go. March 24th, they were 16-point favorites at home against Charlotte. And this was in a, in a time, this is not too long ago, that we were basically saying, hey, if we go 8-2 and two in these last 10, like, who knows, we might miss... Against bad yes, teams. We had, it wasn't we just a great eight and two. stretch. Oh, eight, and two. eight and two against like a double header against the freaking Hornets and then the Pacers. I mean, come on. Yeah, we had a great yeah. stretch of like we really could have played out almost out of the play. Like we might have even been able to catch the six yes. seed. Yes. 16 point favorites at home against Charlotte. Not even just a loss, an embarrassing loss, a bad loss. Uh, they lost the Bucks to a Bucks at home. They lost the Nuggets game when they had a six point swing at halftime, sixteen point lead at the end of the third against Memphis. Fifty five clutch. Okay, there's the stat. Fifty five clutch games, number one in the league. We were twenty six and twenty nine in those games. I just like that's not going to cut it. Yeah. The, if you are if you're a fan of a team, whatever team it is. Um, you can always go back and look at the end of a season, whether it's a successful season or not successful season, usually with regards to where you ended up in the seating, you can go back and just be like, here's five games where they should have won. And maybe one of them you're like, Hey, the something fluky happened. Maybe you say, Hey, the ref screwed us on three of these games. Um, you know, whatever else, like, here's, here's the thing. Like, that's why I put those little notes there. Like, that Bucks game, the, the the Mavs had I think eight, I think they missed eight free throws in the last three minutes of the game. They make any of them, they get, they win that game. Um, they had the, that in, inbounds play where Maxi and Dorian just like decided not to guard Brook yep. Lopez, who got the lob dunk, and which just like should ne- stuff that should never happen. That Nuggets game was. Luca hit a three at the buzzer, or with two seconds left in the th- in the at the end of the half. Um, I don't remember what the lead was going into half, but regardless, he hit this this three. And then during halftime, the referees decide falsely, by the way, because he wasn't out of bounds. They decide that he was out of bounds. They come back in. We play the last two seconds of the half. God, uh, I totally before they play about the second game. half. Oh my gosh! And in that in that two point one seconds. Uh, what's his name? Kankar <laughs> hits a half court three. So we go from Luca hit a half court three. The Mavs are up by twelve or something. Oh to Kankar hits a half court three. Again, erroneous on like on both erroneous, erroneous on both faults. West Mantooth. Um, and instead we're we're only up six, and that, that's such a weird way to start the second half. Um, the Natalie Sago game against the Wizards. Like these are the things that that come up. My point is, if you're a, if you're an 82 games a year kind of fan, like we are of this stupid team, you can always go back and look and say, man, that moment, that moment, that moment. That's the difference between being where we are and, and where go, we, we could have been. To go you know? even further on that, if you look at that 26 and 29 record in, in clutch games, if you, sw- if you swing eight of those, okay, eight of those games, yeah. if you swing them the other way, we're the four seed right now. Literally the four for sure. seed. For sure. Like So my point is you can look at all you every every fan, Brad can do that with the Celtics right now. Um uh Pat can do that with the Knicks. Like our friends can do that with their teams. Unless you're Jacob and you're a fan of the Pistons. I'm sorry, bud, that didn't I don't think eight games is really gonna make a difference. But you can find three, five games that swing them. But there were so many of them this year with this team. Um 
that at the end of this, you have to say like Mike Pellucci wrote a great article for D magazine. And one of his, one of his big points that he brought home is this was his quote. The Mavericks lost in incomprehensible ways because they were liable to lose in any way at any time to anyone. Quote, that's what bad teams do. Mm. This is a bad basketball team. And it bums me out that it took me like six months to, to figure that out. Um, and it seems incomprehensible because they have Luka and Kyrie and because they were in the conference finals last year. And I really, I don't want to hear it was a fluke. I, it's I not, it's not see it that way. No. We'll, maybe we will change our tune in a year, but, but that's not, to me, that's not what it was. It is a whole list of major mistakes and players that are not just players, agents involved in that, which means uh, your coach, your GM, the players themselves, all of these uh, pieces that come together to uh, to ruin what was what was a pretty good thing. Um, so let's let's get into those things. We're going to talk about Jason Kidd. We're going to talk about Kyrie Irving. We're going to talk about Luca. We're going to talk about team building. That's going to be a big part of this. That's a thing that I tend to focus on quite a bit um, when I watch this stupid team play basketball. I have for years. But this all starts with Mark Cuban. So we got to talk about him mm-hmm. first. Oh, too bad. I love that sound. If you don't know what that sound is, it's from when Mark Cuban hosted <laughs> his own reality show called The Benefactor that I think lasted for about three episodes and is embarrassing to this day. Although I did find that, that clip on Mark Cuban's own YouTube page, so maybe he's not embarrassed by it, and that's part of the problem. Um, Tobin, Cuban spent, I'll give him a little credit, spent the majority of the season avoiding the spotlight. Um, but in the final week of the season, we were treated to basically it being his choice to take, which I'm not totally against. We'll talk about that a little bit as, as we go here. Clearly Luca wasn't enthusiastic about that. His choice, you get him smiling on the bench after they lost to the bulls. I hate that. I think that is the worst sports karma you can possibly pull off, uh, to catch your owner smiling after a loss on the bench being happy that they dropped this one. And on Wednesday, right before the Mavs got their last win of the season against Sacramento, he held an hour long media session, um, in which he talked a whole bunch. Oh, he talked a whole bunch. He talked about Jalen Brunson, uh, Kyrie Irving, Jason Kidd, team building, et cetera, et cetera. <sighs> Let's start with the Jalen Brunson thing really fast. We have, Litigated and relitigated this over and over and over over the last year and a half. I said when the trade deadline happened last year in 2022, when they did not trade Jalen Brunson, I told you on the air, A, that I think that that was the right move because Jalen Brunson's incredible and he's key to this and blah, 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 blah. But that if they did not re-sign him in the offseason, then it would be malpractice. I used the word malpractice. Um, And then that's exactly what happened. And now he's out trying to paint the picture that this is Rick Brunson's fault. I don't know, Tobin, where, how much do you lay at the feet of Cuban on the gym? Did, did he do anything to, um, I guess let's put it this way in this media session in which he said many things about Jalen Brunson and Rick Brunson. Did he do anything that assuaged your feeling of Cuban being a problem when it came to all this and screwing You've this You've been up? way more, demonstrative towards Cuban in that situation than I have. Cause I do agree 
And I do believe that Rick Brunson was a big part of that. And, sure. you know, that whole argument of, well, they should have just given them. Uh, they couldn't. We've, we've said that before. They couldn't give him the deal. Like they offered him the max they could offer him. And they, they, the whole thing was, this is the only thing we can legally give you right now because of the cap. So I do think Rick was part of the problem there. Um, and I think Rick, when Rick got involved, that was the beginning of the end. The problem in this situation is then you, then you just see what you can get for him. And to be, to be fair to Cuban too, to give him a little bit of credit, like, what Brunson did after that was not at all. It was like, I mean, even I, who was a huge Brunson guy and loved him was saying, mm-hmm. okay, it's time for him to go. Like he was frustrating us. He was doing some things every game that were just like, what is happening? You know? And, and, and then mm-hmm. he just went on a burner. Like, I mean, in the, you know, second half of the season and in the playoffs and it, and it was awesome. Like, so I do think that there is some, he's getting some heat about that, that I don't think is deserved. Um, I don't know what purpose it serves now though. Like, like sure. I, I think okay. that he, when he went to the table at the end, in the off season, it, there was like, he could have offered him every possible thing imaginable. I don't think it would have mattered. I, I do. Th- I do gr- think that that there is some truth to that, that he was basically going to the Knicks barring a miracle. So, I'm with him. I'm my, with him there. Yeah. My only pushback to that would be they could have given Brunson the, I think we all are on the same timeline of if they would have offered the four for 55 in January, he would True. have signed. I agree with that. And it would have meant that you can't trade him. And I would have just freaking done that. Um, but regardless, they did But at the time that wasn't to their credit. That wasn't the, the slam dunk move at the time. So you're right. Like it's, that's a, that's a very much a hindsight thing. And if what's, if what Jalen said is true, that they, they went and asked for that one last time, I get why they didn't do it, but it, but now obviously it makes zero sense because like, if you have this Jalen Brunson for four for 55 right now, like we're talking about executive oh of the year, you know, yeah. like, so, um, right. yeah. So yeah, like that that's I, to me that's I, a mistake. I, you either get that 455 or you trade him. Like that was the Cuban mistake of you shouldn't have held on thinking that that was going to work in the offseason. So so that's where yeah, that's like I think Rick Brunson is a snake and I definitely think that he's I mean ter- genuinely, he's a terrible person. I totally buy Cuban's feeling on uh things were going fine until until Rick got got involved. I I'm with that. I I think that that's all true. Um, but, but he pulled out his phone and read text messages from Nico Harrison, the GM where Nico Harrison, this is from February, just straight up said, I think the New York thing is too tied to their family to overcome. And Cuban just said, well, I thought we could turn him around. That is where to me, like the malpractice comes in, which if your GM (laughs) is telling you this isn't going to happen then you have to which in a weird him. way you have made to me do. feel better about Nico. <laughs> which yeah, is me so too. Dumb, me too. But it's, I, it really did. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm I'm totally with you. I mean, look, I I Nico up and we're not going to talk much about Nico tonight. And the, and the reason for that is because Mark Cuban is the is He's the, the Jerry Jones. Mark everyone knows the buck stops with Mark Cuban, good or bad and way more bad than good for the last decade. Um and Unfortunately, that's just that's the way it's going to be. So, uh, 
when your GM tells you to do this, then you you freaking do it. Listen to the GM that you listen to the person that you hired, you know, that you trusted to be in charge of this whole thing. Um, I do. I do kind of push back at the at the thought that there was nothing that the Mavs could have done in the in the summer. I think I think the general understanding around here for everybody was that and Brunson even said it in the article in the what was it the athletic a couple weeks ago that's why Cuban is talking about this now by the way but um he said he wanted to be here some of that I'm sure is this is what you have this is what you're supposed no, to I, say I believe him I, I think he did want to be here but I I think even knowing the the Brunson thing the Leon Wood thing all of this sort of stuff if in the summer you still at that point you go to him and you're like all right here's five for 130. Cuban put it on. Well, they wouldn't even give us a number. They wouldn't let us give us. They didn't give us a chance to match it. They wouldn't give let us max give us a number. because you'd pissed yeah. them off to that point. Then you just walk in and you say five years, hundred and thirty million dollars. Can we do this? Can we get this done? I Cuban straight said like, there's just no possible way that it was about money. I I disagree. Yeah. I disagree. If you're talking about twenty five million dollars to somebody who made I think seven million dollars total in the first the first. Uh, four years yeah, of his for career, sure. three years, whatever it is. So I would have gone a different direction with that. Um, he didn't say much about the CBA, but I do want to put all Mavs fans on notice that in this media availability, he did bring up, he said, quote, now with the new CBA, it's a different world. So just be ready for that because Cuban has used the CBA as an excuse for why they've screwed up a million times in the, in the past. So just, yep. just get ready for that one. It's super um, fun. He said that in regarding re-signing Kyrie, um, he said, quote, I guess there's always too high a price, depending. So I really look forward to, well, with the new CBA, it's just it doesn't make any financial sense to and try to cover up the fact that Mark Cuban just doesn't have money. Um, so be, you know, be ready for that. Yeah. These, these are some notes that I found interesting. He did talk about team building. Team building is a huge part of of this whole this problem. It's something that again I really focus on a lot because I will hit that pretty hard. But in regards to team team building, I want to get your take on this on this quote. He's by the way he said this three times. He he referenced what I'm about to to quote three times in within about five minutes. To the point that one of the reporters finally said, are you serious? And he just kept rolling with it. He says, what we were last year getting to the Western Conference Finals, we were a drive and kick team that could defend at the perimeter. And when things were faster, we would foul. And that foul now is a take foul. (laughs) He says, I blew it. It was on me personally because the, this is the thing, Tobin. The game changed in terms of the take fouls and the speed of the game, and where you need to be defensively. This So a team that was, oh I believe, God. sixth in defense last year is now 27th oh. or 28th in defense this year. He is blaming that on the NBA changing the rule. Here's the, the worst out. part about so. that is he's not Stan Kroenke, who's never going to games. This stupid moron <laughs> is front row for almost every game. You should know better, you idiot. Like, I just, like, what are you doing during these games? Like, you're actually watching inactive. You're Steve Ballmer. Like, 
you should understand the game more than most owners because you have been sitting courtside and to your credit, you've been super active and, and super visible as an owner for every year you've owned this team. How are you this stupid about this? Like I, I, or are you just trying to deflect and deflect and deflect, which it's not working, man, that regardless, whatever it is, either path makes you look like an idiot. I just, I can't believe it, man. That, that I about blew my lid when I read that for the first time. (laughs) Of all the things that he said, that was the one that, that made me the craziest. I just, I could not believe that I was hearing him say, well, our whole defensive strategy last year depended on being able to take a take bow three times a game. I, that's an unfathomably stupid thing to say. And he is the owner of the team. And he said that he said it three times. Props to our guy, Tim Cato, who, Straight up said, are you serious, Mark? <laughs> like, I mean, ooh, oh boy. Um, I'm going to save the kids stuff for the end, for the off season. He, he said the things that we're going to say. He says that they need, we need to get better defensively. The game has sped up. Again, he referenced the take foul thing. Um, we need better rim protection and more ability to stop at the point of attack. Said they traded for Kyrie more for the long term, quote unquote, than for the playoff run, which, you know, okay. Um, this is the, the only thing he said in this whole thing that I was like, yes, I fully agree with you here. It's just, can you, can you do anything with it? He said, quote, I'd rather be in a position of having our two guys, Doncic and Irving, and figuring out how to build a defensive squad around them than the other way around. Absolutely. You finally said something that makes sense. It is so much harder to get a Luka Doncic than it is to get three Reggie Bullocks. So, great. You, you, you understand, but, but is there... But what do you do with that, Tobin? Because we just watched some of the worst team building you could possibly do over this last summer. And and so great that you recognize, but like, what, what do we do with that? What, how, why are we supposed to, how are we supposed to trust that he's going to fix it? Yeah. Also, it's not like that, like you've been hitting it out of the park for team building for years on end too. For sure. And so this is where, and the, the worst part about this is we know the answer to this already. But as a Dallas person, the, the Dallas Fort Worth team fandom guy, you and I have been most of our years. We yeah. have seen this play out. It's almost like we're seeing 20 year, 20 year younger Jerry Jones right now. Yep. And for sure. Guess what, guys? 20-year-older Jerry Jones is is an even bigger idiot than Mark Cuban is right now. Yeah. And so this is this is a very pivotal moment in like I'm I don't love this about myself, but I, I was and I and you know this, I was super in the camp of like I want this to be the most embarrassing end of the season. Like mm-hmm. I said I wanted yeah. us to go 0 and 10 in the last 10 because that might be the yeah. only yeah. way this guy wakes up and listens to Nico. If and if Nico's the problem, then fine. That's an easy fix. You go get somebody else. I mean, it's not easy, but it's sure. easier than an owner dealing with For it. Sure. Um, this is the. I feel like that's the only way we might possibly get a, a rejuvenated Cuban. Because like early years, Cuban was all about you know, doing what was right for the team and doing, and it just seemed like as we've, as he's aged and as we've gotten older and as he's lost money, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, we watched it with Dirk. Like, it was just like every year it's like, Hey, like we're just wasting year after year after year yeah, sure. of Dirk because you don't 
build a team around him, you know? And so like, mm-hmm. we're just right back into that now. And the difference is Luca's is not going to be like that. Luca is not built yeah. the same way as Dirk. He's a different generation. He's a different player. Like, we have one season to figure this out and I really hope that he's embarrassed and has the, has the sense of urgency that he needs to have right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. You mentioned Nico. That's an easy fix. Quote unquote. I'll tell you one guy is super easy fix is Jason Kidd. So <sighs> yeah, let's, let's transition that into the, cause this was the quote. First of all, I think it was Brad Townsend, local beat writer who said to Cuban kids, not popular with, with Twitter. And Cuban's response was, but Twitter is not the real world. So we're still on this thing where, again, if you're not a Mavs fan, Cuban has dogged Twitter so many times. Like, well, people who are on Twitter are just fake fans. Um, And yet also he's somebody who, within the last two weeks, was literally tweeting at Elon because his engagement on Twitter is down. So that... I did not like that quote. I did not like that quote. Given. I mean, he's he's not Those wrong in some respects. Is that we have a very like dramatic Twitter fan base. Oh, tw- Twitter is a hellscape, but, but it doesn't yeah. mean that there's not people on there who are correct about like what what is happening here. His quote regarding Kid was uh, essentially was to, again to kind of take the blame and to say that the uh, that we did not the Mavs did not uh, find an identity this year. He said Luca talked about chemistry. And when you don't have an identity, there's uncertainty about roles. And when guys aren't certain about their roles, then things don't gel. And when there are chemistry issues, I think we lost that compared to last year. The, that identity was big. That, I think, all Duh, comes down to good friend Jason Kidd. So let's talk about head coach Jason Kidd. Uh, what, what would you say you do here? So Kidd capped off this horrific season. Um... Horrific, especially from a coaching front, I would say. Uh, he tapped that off by instigating an NBA investigation into <laughs> Mavs tanking down the stretch and sitting all of their players against the Bulls um, and just very clearly was like, I don't want to take the heat for this, which has been uh, a trademark of Jason Kidd yep. over the years. That's That was a fun time. This sucked this year, man. Like I, I just got to say... There were a lot of things that were miserable this year. The Jason Kidd experience was honestly might be the number one thing that I hated about this season because we both were not happy with that hire. We were both very, very unenthusiastic about it. And then he was kind of great last year. I think he might have been my honorable mention coach of the year last year, which looks really stupid in hindsight. Um, he changed the, he, he really helped change the vibe. I think we all underestimated how bad the vibes were under Carlisle for the last couple of seasons. Um, he looked like a guy who had learned his lesson from his previous stops and, and knew how to fix things. And in hindsight, Tobin, was it, was it all Igor? Was it all that we were just, were these guys were sick of, of Rick Carlisle and Igor was there to draw plays because this was terrible. I'm, I, genuinely over under mm, two and a half coaches that were worse than him this year for you. Oh, un- under like I, I <sighs> Chauncey, I think Chauncey yeah, was worse. And, gosh, that's, that's a low bar. Steve Nash and, and, and before he got fired, here's the thing. This is really hard because like our buddy Dennis texted us after like, game 10 
and was like, time for kid to go. I was like, Dennis, shut up. Don't be an idiot. Like, <laughs> you know, turns out Dennis yeah. was, was way on the nose pretty early. I don't like that. I'm about to say this. Like I, I'm already like punishing myself in my head. Um, it's not right for us to sit here after two seasons and say kid has to go after what he did last season in a normal, I did in a normal, I know, but so do I, I would, so I would have I. fired him on November 4th. There's they, that's just when they bombed that game in Toronto. That is not how this league works. And, and that's, yeah, I know. And, and know. I'm not saying we should do that just because that's how this league works. It's just, the drastic difference in our team and our defense last year from Carlisle to him was, you know, in a weird way, the biggest undoing about this year, because if he was not good last year, he would have been fired halfway through this season. No doubt in my mind, but because he's one of our own, because he's not going to hall of famer, because he probably should have his number in the rafters. Like, like, He's going to stick around longer than he should because of that already. I am no stranger to that because of of Texas Tech football. Um, and <laughs> we need like we need to see another season of him probably. Like we don't need to, but that's that in a normal non-bizarro world, that's what that's how you would be approaching this. It'd be like, "Hey, let's go. He's got he's on a short leash. He's the first coach in the hot seat, but we got one more season with him." But we can't do that. Like, like, th- like what about this season t- showed you that this is going to be, it's the only, the only way this is fixable is two things. One, Luca is telling you behind closed doors, this is my guy. This is who I want. Okay. Luca, you're probably stupid, but okay. We'll listen to you for 10 games. The other thing is they, they have got to get coaches in here that does all the things and then just let him be the freaking face in the puppet. Like if that's what it is, fine. That's what it is. But I think you're onto something. I think Igor might've been our eat ATO guy. I think that there was some defensive schemes that we may be losing now because of whatever coach is not there anymore. Like you go get him the best assistant coaches possible for two reasons. One, because if you're gonna if you're gonna be stupid and keep him here, and not go get another coach, and not and you already didn't go after Quinn Snyder, then you have to do something to give him the pieces to be better. And at the very worst, get somebody in here that you know can at least be an interim for half a season because he's not gonna make it the whole season. He's not. There's no way. Like well, actually, it's not true. There is because Cuban's an idiot. But well, see, okay, I agree. I feel like this is probably the the, the spot where we're gonna we're going to actually disagree or I agree with everything you just said, then freaking fire him. Like there's nothing like if, if you know, going into the season, I I told you and Richard this, like if he makes it through this summer, I would love to get good odds on first coach fired. Cause that's, it's almost a guarantee like short of Cuban really does come through and they really rebuild this team around Luca and Kyrie and Luca goes. Well, we're going to talk to Luca extensively here in a second. Luca goes off and, you know, gets his head right and comes back like even better than he's. Which how how oh my gosh. Um, 
it's almost a guarantee that they are firing him in November or December next year. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna end up there, then just yeah, because you're wasting a season at that point. You can, that's my point. That's that's the thing. Like I agree with. You. I'm not a fire the coach guy. You're not a fire the coach guy. Uh, I think that it takes time for these things to happen. With kid, we all know that the defense the defense that worked last year is Sean Sweeney's defense. He's still here. It didn't work this year because they were trying way too hard to make a system work with players who could not do mm-hmm. that system. Regardless. If the defense works, it's not Jason Kidd that's making the defense work. It's Sean Sweeney. And I feel 100% confident, given what we saw last year versus this year, when last year they were the best team in the league scoring out of ATOs, and this year was an abomination out of timeouts and play calling and all that sort of thing. Igor is the guy doing all those plays. Igor is the guy on that front. So... If he's not doing anything to help the offense and he's not doing anything to help the defense, he was awful at challenging fouls and whatnot at the, at the coaches challenge this year. 80% of the time he freaking stood there with his hands in his pocket. And I'm not saying you got to be Bob Knight or something, but when it, and not to mention, not to mention the whole first three months of the season where he just basically picked a fight with his second best player for no reason. For no reason that we publicly saw. Like, I don't like Christian Wood either, but he's the best thing you got. You got to freaking play him. And instead, he spent the time, he spent the first three months of the, the, of the season feuding with him. Not to mention the number of times where he publicly went out there and basically said, well, the player's got to play, which is a truth fact. But what are you doing to put them in a position to that, do things to that? That was already in place well? before they even stepped on the court too, which just doesn't even makes even less sense. Like I like that trade was yeah. such a steal. Like at the very worst, get him out there. And if he doesn't work, then you trade him at the deadline. But like we, you know, I just, <sighs> yeah. Unfathomably yeah. stupid. I, there's <clears throat> nothing that he brought. There is nothing that so, he added. There's nothing that I can say. Here's what Mark, or excuse me. Here's what Jason Kidd is going to hang his hat on as a coach. If they, if in fact they do bring him back next year, I'm to the point that it's like, if they succeed next year, I am closer to, they are succeeding in spite of the coach, which is what we said when they first hired him versus we are succeeding because of the coach. The only thing that I can say that this guy did well this year was the development of Josh green. And then yeah, he, he killed that the down end, the yeah. stretch. So like, I, I, there's nothing that he did well. There's nothing that I feel confident that he's going to do well in the future. And to me, the only argument for not firing him is who are you going to get to replace him? And I'm at the point where I'm like, the ghost of John Wooden would be fine with me. Like, there's nothing, there's no one that I think you can put in that spot who would do a worse job than Jason Kidd at this point. That's that's how low I am at that. I and and in in his in his D magazine piece, or or, uh, yeah, D magazine, uh, Isaac, who's Franco Isaac's incredible, one of the best, like. I, there's a part of me that hopes he ends up going national at some point because he's so freaking good at this. Um, he said, quote, Jason Kidd failed to establish chemistry, structure, rotations, and schemes to rally the team when things got tough. And that's what you have to do if you're a coach with a limited roster, which this team had mm-hmm. this year. I, I just, like I said, I would have been, there were four or five times this year where I would have said, you just stay here, bud. We're done. We're done with this. And the Toronto game was the first one. There were, again, three or four other times it happened I cannot, I just, it's so foolish to me to go into next season with a coach who's on the I, hot seat. 
and that's what it feels like will be happening. I totally agree with you. I just don't, I I just don't, the only thing that makes me still have a little hope that he's not going to be here next year is it seems like he's kind of like, to your point earlier, he's digging his heels in about this investigation. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, you just said about the Christian Wood thing, he already has kind of like pressed against them in some of their decisions. So maybe he, you know, maybe he writes his own pink slip in that situation. So like, it's possible, but I, I just, we, it's more of a, we've seen this play out. We know where like Q, sure. Cuban again, not to keep making Dallas Cowboys analogy, but there's a reason why Jason Garrett was a coach for the Cowboys way longer. than he should have been because Jerry Jones does not want to fire his own. And Mark Cuban is basically crappier Jerry Jones now. <laughs> like it just, or more, sorry, more broke Jerry Jones is the base. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know. Again, this is where this is such a pivotal, like it sounds so, this sounds so dramatic. And I, and I, but I do, I really do fully believe this. This off season is so pivotal for so many reasons. Yes. It's pivotal because of Lucas future. It's pivotal because of Cubans. Like what's Cuban going to do whenever he's been kicked down like this. It's pivotal for mm-hmm. like what our franchise looks like five years from now. Like this is a big mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Speaking into that summer um, that you're talking about, this pivotal summer that we have approaching us. Let's talk about Kyrie. Well, did it work for those people? <laughs> no, it never does. I mean, these people somehow delude themselves into thinking it might, but... <laughs> but it might work for us. Neither of us were big fans of this nope. move. Um, <laughs> I think that's safe to say. I, I think we both said it felt like going through a divorce, <laughs> which is... Maybe a bit melodramatic, but I, I don't know. I kind of still feel that way. Um, with Kyrie Irving, they were 8-12 and 12 this year. Without him, they were 1-5. and five. With both Kyrie and Luka, they were 5-11. and 11. Um, I think if there's one thing, this isn't necessarily as much about Kyrie. It's just like if you're, if you're looking for optimism, you can say it's really hard to make that kind of a, of a change midseason, especially when both players were dealing with some injuries. Like, I think that even if they brought this exact same roster back, which it's not going to be, I would think that you have a better chance of having a better record um, than what you ended up with here just because two guys know how to play with each other a little bit better than they did trying to learn this on the fly with their backs against them. Um. He basically put up the same stat line here as he had in Brooklyn, which is kind of amazing. Let's, I'll do this, and then we'll we'll talk the vibe, and then we'll we'll move on, we'll, we'll move on to what we what we want to see. Um, he called the team a cluster F at one point, which I agree with him. It was. Um, he skipped his exit interview, which was super fun, because uh, as Brad Townsend noted, he spent the whole season. When he came to the Mavs in his introductory press conference, he asked the media to respect his wishes to not talk about the summer and that he would address it at the end of the season. And then, of course, he skipped out on his exit interview and, and did not do the that. Mavs media showed him so much Soft. respect. So easy. So, so. Like, yeah. they, they did that. They it. did. They respected that. And they, they, if anything, they made it about basketball, which is something you could not say about any of the New York media. Now, given I don't, I almost don't want that. I wanted them to call him on his crap, but they didn't. Yeah. So like the fact that 
yeah, never mind. You, you, you keep going. He, he <laughs> did not give the he did not give the Mavs media a reason to step outside the bounds of basketball, and uh, and they they respected that. Yeah, and I think that that's great. Um, you know, I there were some there were <laughs> about a month into his stay, there was a lot of like, hey, look how the Dallas media is respecting him and making this about basketball. And my response to that was. He's not once um, promoted an anti-Semitic film since he's been here, so that probably helps. That it's it it's yeah, it's a media member's job to say, "Hey, bud, um, what you doing here?" When you do something like that, he did not do any of that here to this point. So, before we get into this summer and like what what's what what do you what's going to happen? What do you want to happen? All that kind of stuff. What what are your overall thoughts on on Kyrie? The the twenty ish games that we got with this guy. I don't I don't think it's fair from a basketball playing standpoint cuz you're right. It's hard to come in mid-year with a player like Luka who dominates a lot of the ball and mm-hmm. a coach who's clearly an idiot and doesn't know how to, you know, have stuff there for him. Um he did on the outside looking in, he did all the right things. All the players are talking very highly of him. Luca's very speaks very highly of him. So like, you know, on on the surface, it's all it all looks great, minus the win loss. Like he did, he had some games that were just like, God, man, like can you please hit a shot in the fourth quarter? But like, I mean, listen, that crap happens. Like, and it's you know, it's frustrating whenever it's you know Kyrie Irving who's supposed to be one of the top players in the game, but that stuff happens, mm-hmm. and I don't like it, but it happens. But then you just like this whole time, like, and then and then you know. He does. He he skipped the exit interview, and it's like, okay, well, there it is. Like, there's the start, mm-hmm. and we're gonna be dumbasses and give him a four for, you know, two hundred and something million dollar deal, and it's just gonna be the st- like. That's all my brain can think about is the start of just this, you know, parade of of crap. And yeah, man, I if we give him a deal, I. I super hope I'm wrong, but you know, the other day, uh, I forget who it was exactly. Somebody in our discord was just posting, which is just, it's just, it was comical at this point of <laughs> the yeah. amount of articles of him saying, Oh man, I really love Dallas. I can't, I hope I get to stay here. I, you know, I, I, Oh, I really love Boston. I hope I'm here for a long time. Oh, I really love Cleveland. Even as far back to Duke, of oh I love Duke I'm gonna come back for another season bam NBA draft which gosh man so nothing he that's why I mean that's why we opened this section with the with the the clip that yeah. we played because it's the definition of of this experience as a basketball player um yeah I, I it's aesthetically it's so pleasing when it's cooking when he's cooking it's you can get why people love him because they love to watch him play basketball because, gosh, it's it's impressive to watch him play. But, like, I think I probably was ultimately a little disappointed. And I think some of that was it seemed like he missed a lot of big shots when they when they kind of met. Like, he – we I think we get two more wins this season. Now, it probably balances out to whatever, but – I think there's at least two games down the stretch here that they win if Spencer Dinwiddie's on the team because Dinwiddie played off ball, off Luca really well, and just I think Dinwiddie was was the number one corner shooter in the league when he left out, 
and that was a spot where Luca would consistently find him and and then you we had a couple games where we were just like Kyrie can't do it. I mean, he was I'm not trying to lay all this at his it, like everybody has bad games, whatever, but he had some games where it just was really disappointing um to watch him miss the shots that he missed. And I feel like the whole like his reputation as a fourth quarter scorer, I believe he was the number one fourth quarter scorer in the league when he came in. Um, that's great. Closers are awesome. I I very much got the vibe that he was conserving energy through the first three quarters so that he could be Mr. Fourth Quarter a lot of times. And I hate that. I it's cool to to have the juice for the fourth quarter, but like how many games out of those 20 did you did you watch and feel like, hey, dude, why don't you do any of this in the first three quarters? Maybe we wouldn't be in this situation if if you had. It was a lot. It was a lot of those games, and that frustrates. That's a really frustrating experience. He was a little bit better on defense as far as effort goes, but he's small, and they got smaller with that trade, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. in a minute. I, I would say, like, whatever my expectation was, um, I think I was slightly underwhelmed. But that's not the worst thing. And again, you said, I, like, we, we got it. You have to give some credit for, uh, or some slack, I guess, for, like, it's really hard to adapt for both of those players and for the rest of the team. And this was a bad team, too. So it's hard to get those things. I just, I wanted a little bit more than what we ultimately got, I think, in some of those bigger moments. And now... I think this is probably the number one reason why I wouldn't have done that trade, and I'm, I'm sure we said it at the time. You're kind of in a lose-lose situation at this point. You 100 percent are. Um, the win, the win in this situation is yeah. that you walk away, <laughs> or you get a sign and trade that is actually, you know, yeah. fair, and that never happens. So, <laughs> it, it's trading for a guy who, who, for who, a person who is this temperamental and moody and eccentric and inconsistent um when he doesn't have any any years left on his contract it just really puts you in such a bad place like they're either going to either they let him walk and you wind up with i don't know something just south of of max contract room um, and then who are you? Who are you giving Julius it to? Julius Randle giving it to Fred Van Vliet because he sucked this year. Um, you're in a really bad spot on that. Or you sign him to the contract, and then you you just kind of have to just hold your breath for the next however many years because this is the the this is what you're gonna get. So I don't know, dude. What what do you think happens here? I I think they resign him, and I think it immediately goes poorly. Like. The only the only saving grace for this is I think there's a real chance he doesn't even give him the the chance to negotiate and 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 Lord willing that might actually be the case. Um I don't think there's a sign and trade out there. Um because I think the people that would make sense for us to do a sign and trade for are not on teams that he's gonna be willing to go to. Um like maybe the Knicks, if you're willing to like get Randall and do a sign <laughs> trade, but like, I don't think the the Mavs or the Knicks are in any headspace. To, I mean, it's the Lakers. It's the Lakers. If the Lakers want. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's, that's where, you know, if the Lakers want them, they're going to have to give up pieces that have made them the seven seed right now. 
you know? And so like in a weird way, the Lakers are actually in a good spot of like, you know, maybe we don't need him unless LeBron comes in and says, do it or I, or die, you know, like, which is definitely possible. Like that LeBron's done that before. I mean, I don't know, man. Like I think what I want them as to do here is I want them to let them walk, but not for nothing. Even if it's just an expiring Mm. deal that we can use or, or, you know, dump and then have that, that cap hold space. I don't know. That's what I want to happen. I think what's going to happen is that we're going to throw money at him and then he's going to be, uh, he's going to resign. And I, and I hate that. I I I don't trying to predict Kyrie Irving is the stupidest thing you can do. Also true. Like, uh, I think I would probably lean towards, I think he walked. I, I don't think they're, they're not going to give him a five-year deal. I have to feel like there's questions about a four-year deal. And I think that, I think he probably can figure out how to get that money you know, somewhere. You know, a one-and-one, like, I, yeah, I would, I would do that. Do, I, I would for do, sure that. do that. Like, if, it, yeah. if he did the LeBron one-and-one deal, like, I don't yeah. love that, but that at least gives you, like, a two-year yeah. window in and out. I would, mm-hmm. I would be mm-hmm. like, I, I wouldn't like it, but I could, I could live with that. I just don't think he takes it. I don't think he. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Um, but he. Yeah, I would definitely do a one, a one and one. I, I just. He don't, didn't exactly light it up, you know, this season, the second half of the season to get the bidding war for him. So it really is, I think, going to come down to like, is, <laughs> is LeBron? I mean, he's not young. No, he's either. not. I mean, there's, there's. I think he really wants. I think that's part. I mean, we know that's why he demanded the trade from Brooklyn is he they didn't want to give him a four year contract. So I think that's really important to him to get that money. I don't blame him obviously for that. I would also like to get two hundred million dollars. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a lose. It, to me, it's it, it remains kind of a lose lose proposition. You're you're you've put yourself in a position where yeah, you got the talent for a low price considering. You know what do you do with it now? Um, especially given that it it didn't exactly light the world on fire. So, <sighs> all right, we'll see. Let's uh, move on. Let's talk about our boy. Beautiful, 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 beautiful boy. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. It's a weird year for Luca. Um, He was incredible in large chunks of this season. Uh, incredible. As as crappy as this as this whole season was, like there's there's three or four, maybe five Luca moments that are gonna that I'm gonna remember forever. The next game probably, obviously, is the sixty points, twenty one rebounds, whatever, twelve assists, and that tip in to send the game into overtime and all that. Cause that's that is like a that's an iconic moment in my fandom i will remember that forever and there are other moments that stick out like that this season he did some incredible things i imagine he's going to be first team all nba for the third consecutive fourth consecutive year what are we at i think it'll Um, be third consecutive i think yeah no fourth it'll be the fourth year good gracious um he's 24 years old he came in in shape that was a big talking point last year uh I 
This is going to be a really, this is a pivotal offseason for him because this is the first time that he is getting the, um, you're the, if you're the best, if you're, if you're really one of the best players in the league, then how come you let your team be bad? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about how much of that is fair and how much of it it isn't. Um, a couple things for the end of the season. He clearly was not happy with the tanking. He said, and I quote, uh, I didn't like that. We came to an agreement on it, but I didn't like it. Um, after the Charlotte game, one of the, we, you and I both have talked about ad nauseum, how much we love Luca's joy on the court. Um, that was completely missing um, for the most part over the, over the last month and a half ish, maybe two months of the season. He said after that Charlotte game, uh, you can see it with me on the court. Sometimes I don't feel like me out there. I used to have fun, be smiling on the court, but it's just been so frustrating for a lot of reasons. There's clearly some off the court things that are happening. I don't know what those are. The Mavs uh, media Dallas media seems to have a good feel for what it is, but no one will report on it. It's one of my least favorite things ever, but um, it is what it is. I don't know if it's, we know that his mom's caused some problems in the past legally. Uh, maybe it's that, maybe it's, he broke up with his girlfriend. Maybe, I don't know. I, 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 I to speculate is not really what we necessarily want to do. Clearly something's going on um, off the court. And he also clearly was not right physically the last month of the season either after the, the uh, thigh strain, calf strain, whatever that kept him out for a couple of weeks. And then he wasn't great after that either. I think he looked physically wrong too. So, you know, there's that. Um, but the big thing, Tobin, you, you touched on it and this is, the, this is the deal. Tim McMahon reported that team officials are concerned that Luca could force a trade in the summer of 2024. Luca pushed back a little bit of that at his exit interview. He said, um, I'm happy here. Nothing to worry about. Uh, he said it was directly said to, to Tim McMahon. It was funny, you know, because I didn't know that that was true. I didn't say it in quote. Um, and McMahon also noted that for the first time in his career, Luca enthusiastically engaged in personnel discussion. Quote unquote. Yeah. So, how worried are you, man? <laughs> like, what do we? Let's talk about that first, and then let's talk about Luca, oh, the season, uh, what we want to see from him in the summer, all that I kind mean, of stuff. Like, what was fair, what wasn't. Fair. I'm worried, but I don't think that he. I I actually believe him. I don't think he's going and saying, "You better get this right, or I'm out." I I think I don't think he's that vocal in that regard. And I think that he has been more vocal with personnel stuff because he wants to see more of the things happen. He wants to be a leader on the team. And that's all, that's mm -hmm. all great. Like, I think that this is fans and ourselves and, and the media creating a panic over something that hasn't actually happened, but it's also a legitimate panic of, Hey, this, mm -hmm. this is how mm -hmm. the NBA is now. Like if you don't, you know, if you don't get your crap together, and you put a dog crap team around one of the best players for, in the league, like it's not uncommon for them to go and say, I'm done. And mm -hmm. yeah. so I think it's a legitimate concern. I don't think it's coming from Luca. I actually believe him in that respect. Okay. Um, Cause I, I do think, I, I do think he wants me to, this, this whole like back half of the season gave me real big 2007 Dirk and, and 
miss you know girlfriend crazy girlfriend's vibes like like I don't know mm. if it's if it is if it's Luca's girlfriend or whatever, but it feels like something's going on that's going to come out later, and we're going to be like, oh, okay, so that's why you've been weird. Like that makes sense. Like, mm. and and maybe we can move past it, and it's and it's not a big deal anymore. Um, not saying that he has some big scandal that's about to come out. I just like he no, just it no. feels like something. For reference on that, if you don't know what we're talking about, in '09, uh, Dirk's. Dirk had a like a very serious living girl, like a fiance, basically, who turned out to be a scam artist, and this boiled for and was like caught. He she was causing problems with like his relationships with his his friends, his teammates, all this sort of stuff. It was a big deal, and then like she got arrested at his house for being a scam artist and all this stuff that she's done. And it was a, it was a huge deal. All of this was happening, and by the way, Dirk was freaking incredible <laughs> during all that yeah. time. Like, but he was incredible, but he wasn't the, himself. And, like, yeah. you could tell he wasn't himself. Yeah, yeah. There was a vibe that was off, but playing wise, he was unbelievable during um, that stretch. Given knowing everything, anyway. Regardless, just wanted to give context there. But yeah, so yeah. I I do think that there is a world where maybe that's like I said, it could be minor. It could be girlfriend problems. And that's, that's a big deal. Like, I mean, especially when you're 24, mm-hmm. like and his mom yeah. is, is a problem sometimes. So, I mean, it, it, it could be, I, I don't right. know. I just, so for what I want to see from him, I don't even know, man. Like he did every off season, he's come back and fixed an issue that he's had the year before. So like, I, like, but there's mm-hmm. nothing. Okay. That's not true. There is stuff. The, when Dirk, was on the court and he was, and things were not a hundred percent and it's not fair to always compare him to Dirk, but like, that's what we have. And so when Luca is not gelling and things aren't going well, and when the team is not gelling and not going well, he, he has yeah. not all the time, but he has modes where he just shuts down. And mm-hmm. like, I would like, if you're going to shut down your team, fine, but then go score 60 points, you know? And I and, sure. and there's times when that does happen. But most of the time, it's just he he borderline pouts. And mm-hmm. no, definitely does. He definitely pouts. Yeah. And I sure. just I don't want to like I don't want to see that. And he has all the reason to be upset and all the reason to pout mm-hmm. and all the reason to like sure. feel that way. But I want to see him get in the huddle and and be the leader and do the things that like be the mature leader and not this you know. 20 year old like woe is me like no one's Mm -hmm. helping me bs that we have to see Mm -hmm. a lot like i want to see him put his head down and say well if you dummies are not going to get on i had to like (laughs) censor myself if you dummies are not gonna get on board then get out of my way you know and and Mm -hmm. i don't think we've seen that like we've seen him get feisty and you know, go on runs, but like, I, like, I truly think if he could t- channel that pouting into basketball rage, he might, he might drop 80 points one day. Like, I just, I, that's what yeah. I, that's, that's, the, that's what I want to see. It's, it's, it's a maturity thing. I, but I don't know if that's, that's fixable to be honest with you right now, at least. I definitely think it's fixable. And that, that that's where it comes to me. I, I, I think I take it as a good thing, to be honest with you, that he, uh, our, our guy Cato, you know, mentioned in his kind of end of season piece that uh, he said at Luca's presser, his end of season, his exit interview, he, he, that 
that Luca came across as mature and as mature and as adult as he ever has, and that he he seems like he understands his power. I think it's a good thing. I think that he needs to understand that he is the leader of this team, and he doesn't have to be a leader the way that whatever LeBron would have been a leader or. Um, Draymond or whoever like he doesn't have to be that specific kind of leader but this is his team and he needs to be um he needs to be more he needs to be more involved I think in the direction of the team and that's a hard thing for a 23 Mm -hmm. 24 year old to learn I think I definitely think he's he's never going to be Draymond Green he's never going to be Michael Jordan he's never going to be LeBron on this front we got to watch Dirk for 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 twenty years, um, develop into his own leadership and lead in a in a in a way that was different than than a lot of those guys. Um, I think that that can work. You at some point you will need another leader to step in and be the the Draymond kind of of leader. Not maybe not to that level, but but to do what Tyson Chandler and Sean Marion um, did for Dirk. But he doesn't have to be like crazy vocal guy, but he does need to understand that he's the guy, he's the face, he's the leader of this thing. And to lead that, sometimes that means changing your body language. And sometimes that means um, not expressing the frustration that you honestly deserve to express if we're being, you know, if we're being honest about that. Um, and finding ways to, to fight through some yeah. of that. Uh, I, I think that I've said this before. Hang on just one second. To, to his, to his yeah, credit go, go. too, though, on the court, he's that way off the court. He always takes ownership. Always. always. Absolutely. So, that you're so absolutely I just right want to see that. that on the court, like take ownership, mm-hmm. make it yours, call people out, get mad, but do it in a not pouty mm-hmm. way. Like, but he, he yeah. never once steps off the court in a presser and, and publicly says, team sucked get it together like the closest he's been sure. to that is this year by saying like you know what is it like i you know it's strange times whatever but he he's yeah. never yeah. once blamed anybody except himself in the so like he does have that maturity sure. in him which is awesome yeah. for sure absolutely uh, that's why it doesn't feel like a huge step out i i'll say this um and i've kind of danced around it before or maybe i've i don't know if i've said it straight out the concept of Luka Doncic as um, pouty yells at the ref guy 100% accurate 100% accurate Um, I would invite people who feel that way to also look at 90% of the league for sure and especially the best players in the league and and pinpoint the ones who do not spend um, a large chunk of their time complaining and whining at the referees. I I think that the reason why he gets as much um pushback about that is because when he does it, he's a he's a pasty white guy whose face gets red and he looks like a child when he is yelling at the ref. I think that if if he just had um a nice tan <laughs> And he didn't get so red faced when he screams at the refs and stuff. I don't think he would get quite as much crap as he does about it. I, I want to be clear. I need him to stop yelling at the refs as much. I need him to, especially when it comes to 
I got fouled and I'm griping at the refs and my guy is at the other end scoring because I'm down here. I need this to, to stop um, or to, <laughs> you know, to begin the phases <laughs> moving towards stopping. Um, I would encourage anybody who feels that, that he is out of line as compared to some of the other players in the league to watch Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid or LeBron or Dame um, and or Trey <laughs> and tell me that Luca is um, way, way. Yeah. Also feel free to go watch a super cut of Tim Duncan back in the day too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, this is a problem league wide. I, I think Luca gets an extra dose of it again, because I think he looks like a toddler with his red face when he's in that, in that mode. And he does need to cut back on it. I fully agree. Let's, let's make that happen. Um, I'm, I do think he gets a little bit extra that he doesn't necessarily deserve. The other thing that drives me a little bit crazy is, uh, this was a common refrain this year and I get it. Like you're the leader of the team. You're a top five player in the league all that you're going to get the heat. This is something Dirk had to learn too. Um, I think Luca is fine taking on that responsibility. He got a triple dose of it um, over the last couple of weeks, but the sentiment that if you're truly a great player, you will get your team um, into contention or whatever. This was a big Bill Simmons thing this week. I would love for Bill Simmons to watch 82 games of this team and (laughs) see it's not just a lack of talent. There's a, which it is. There's a massive, I, I, before the trade deadline, I did a big deal where I like went and looked at like every team and the way that they've been built and the, uh, their talent based on like, you know, where they were drafted, how they were acquired, all these kinds of things. And I think the only team that had less pedigree, I call it pedigree was the heat. So even with the Kyrie trade, they are bottom 10 in the league in terms of talent. And, and that um, does not take into account the bigger thing, which is the structure of the roster was horrendous mm-hmm. this season. And uh, the games where Luca, there were games where not even when he missed the number of times a season pre Kyrie and post Kyrie, but especially pre Kyrie, um, where Luca would go to the bench for the first six minutes of the second half, and it looked like five guys who didn't, who had like never seen a basketball before. Like the times when Josh Green is trying to run the offense, and it's like he's incapable of dribbling, and it's like, well, that's the best thing we got right now. I mean, this was a horribly constructed roster. And would I like for him to have figured out a way to carry this to the sixth seed or something? Yeah. Um, within the context of how messed up this and wheels off this uh this year was with all of these teams where you can go from again you in within three games you can go from the three seed to the nine seed or whatever um i'm gonna have to say that that's probably not all uh lying at the feet of of the guy who did his job this year for Um, sure and if if here's here's the true thing if yeah. we were the four seed or three seed with Luca's numbers, he's top four or five in the MVP vote right now. The reason he's not. Yeah, for sure. The reason for he's sure. not is because of the narrative and because of the team was garbage. And, and, you know, nobody wants to vote a 11 seed player as an MVP player. And that looks like we didn't in our episode yesterday. So 
Um, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. It's so you're right. Like it's not. There's not a lot more he can do from a basketball standpoint other than just you know step up and be more of a less pouty player and a more of a leader somehow. Which again, it's not really fair, but it's just the way it is too. So for sure. Um, I mean, look, this is a big summer for him because he's got a. I mean, this is part of the deal. Again, I don't want to keep referencing Dirk, but we saw it. We watched it for for you know a long time. With Dirk, the even around here, the number of people who would just say, "Oh, this this guy doesn't have it. He can't do it. He can't be the best player on a good team." And and I'm sitting here being like, "Guys, who put this freaking team together? It is garbage. It is garbage." Um, it's Giannis. Giannis on a li- on a higher level because you know, regardless, Giannis was dealing with the same thing. Jokic is going to deal with it this summer too if they don't do something. Um. This is the this is the heavy burden that comes with being one of the greats, not just one of the goods, you know. And I imagine that this is the outside of his rookie season where it seemed pretty clear that that the Mavs weren't all that interested in winning basketball games as much as they were just like setting up for the future and he was just kind of over here playing Fortnite and having fun. Um, I don't know. I, I would imagine that he's not had a an unsuccessful season like this since he was 12 years old. And you 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 get this. You can look at it as an opportunity to a get some rest because he really hasn't had a break. Yeah, the since. Olympics and stuff too have definitely done that for sure. Um, he doesn't have anything until August. World Cup is in August. I think he's going to play. Um, Somebody on 77 Minutes in Heaven, I can't remember if it was Pellucci or DeFore, said that would be a great time to show up in August and just look the most jacked you've ever looked in your life and just be, oh, hey, by the way, do the diehard of, yeah. you know, oh, 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 I, now I have a machine gun, that kind of thing. Um, I think the, uh, this offseason, more than anything, is going to be about maturity um, and and recognizing the burden that you have when you're, when you're this good and, and maybe to a little bit of like from a game perspective, the number one, besides the D he's never going to be a great defender. That's okay. I don't care. Um, a little more effort on defense. You saw that in stretches during this year. If they come back with Kyrie or come back with somebody who is able to actually do something with the basketball that should alleviate some of the workload that he put on in the first three months of the season. Um, you can, you can show more effort on defense and he, and he needs, he needs to come back with a little more effort. The only other thing that I would say from a game perspective is just, even when you're getting fouled and you're not getting it called, you got to be driving the ball more. You can't rely as much. You can't, you can't, you can't be safe with the the step back threes as as he was mm-hmm. this season. Um, but some of that comes down to roster construction. It is impossible to drive in the NBA when you are being double teamed or when a team is like, we don't really care if Reggie Bullock shoots threes. Mm-hmm. We don't care about that. And we're going to just pack the paint in the surrounding year. So a lot of that comes to team building, but he needs to come back next season with the, I'm just going to duck my head and yeah. go to the rim mentality more sure. frequently. That's something that, that he can change the maturity, all that kind of stuff. And, and I think he will. Um, I, I have a lot of faith in who he is as, as a person and as a player. So we'll see how it goes. Um, look, we're 90 plus minutes into this thing. <laughs> we're halfway guys. This is halfway. Like, <laughs> a little more than half. Um, it's also like one o'clock in the morning. So I think we've done the, the, 
I think we've done the therapy to some degree. 90% of the therapy is done. Um, I would, I love talking about team building and I love talking about the mistakes that this team has made team building (laughs) too. Um, our guy, Isaac, again, that D magazine piece was so freaking good. And he was kind of scathing in his, um, in his assessment of how the Mavericks have team built over the last few years, really since they got Luca. And uh, I want to make sure that we have time to go over some of that stuff and try to do it again. Also in interesting and not just like super Mavsy kind of ways, but I want to talk about Falco Compazzo and um, some of the mistakes that have been made here and the ways that this team cannot build around the margins. And uh, so let's, let's do that next week. Let's, let's come back next week. We'll do, We'll do our regular episode, talk about uh, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the first couple games of each playoff series, and we'll try to knock out maybe a 30-ish minute Mavs time on roster building. That tells you how bad this year has been is that I completely stuff. have burned Faku Composite out of my brain, and that, and that was Tobin, this season. They, <laughs> they literally thought, they literally thought, we don't need a third ball handler in, the, in here, even though we just watched that work. We'll just sound Falco Composo, the worst freaking player in the NBA. That'll probably be fine, right? Like, that's that's a real thing that happened this year. Kimball Walker played for this team, Tobin. <laughs> Do you remember that? Kimball Walker was a Dallas Maverick for about eight or nine games. I About three years too late, <sighs> apparently. <laughs> three, three years too late. God bless Kimball Walker. He's tearing up the Italian League now or something. Um so look, let's get out of here. Let's leave that for next week, and uh, we'll do we'll tr- we'll try to make it fun for you guys who are non Mavs fans, and and kind of go through some of these roster screw ups. But we'll also use that as a chance to kind of look at how do you build this team um, over the summer, and uh, and and dig into that. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sort of tolerating us, I guess, um, for this extravagance that we have that we've uh, taken on here. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. We really appreciate you listening and uh, you know, all this stuff. So uh, we'll be back next week talking playoffs and, and more maps time. And until then, sad maps time, sad maps time, sad maps time, sad maps time.